Welcome back, Home and High Water listeners. As we move through this season, in addition to our full-length stories, we are also going to feature shorter, bite-sized episodes that you can listen to as you make your coffee or enjoy on a short walk. This is a new endeavor, so let us know what you think, and send us your questions on coastal resilience. What topics do you want us to dig into? We might feature your questions in a future episode. You can email us at ces.fau.edu. This is FAU's Home and High Water, a podcast by the Center for Environmental Studies at Florida Atlantic University about research that uncovers how we live, adapt, and thrive in a changing climate. I'm your host, Cameron Peters. When I recently spoke with Jeff Huber, Associate Professor and Interim Director at Florida Atlantic University's School of Architecture, he said something at the beginning of our interview that caught my attention. The the mantra I always say is plants, not pipes. (laughs) Yes, you heard correctly. He said plants, not pipes. Professor Huber is talking about something called low-impact development, also known as green infrastructure, where the natural characteristics of plants, like their ability to filter pollutants, are utilized in stormwater management to help protect our water and aquatic ecosystems. As someone who is fascinated by climate solutions that already exist, this sounded like something we should be talking about. So today, we are going to dive into what you need to know about low-impact development and its potential to transform Florida's climate response. In low-impact development, you know, is, is thinking of plants in the same way you think about them as a pipe. Now, that's a cognitive leap, I understand, for most people. Like, hey, wait a minute, a plant is a plant and a pipe is a pipe. But pipes fundamentally transport pollutants. They transport volumes of stormwater runoff from one place to another. Uh, the plant can generally do uh, the same amount of, of dealing with volumes of stormwater. And it's because they, they go through, um, you know, the three main elements that we think. The similarities between plants and pipes are clear. But plants also have some additional superpowers. They filter, they can allow for infiltration of water, but they can also evapotranspirate water. Meaning that they can also release some of that water back into the air. And so when you have these, these mechanisms at, at work, they really do operate like a pipe. But unlike the pipe, they can also reconcile or deal with the quality of that water. So they clean the water through the phytoremediation, uh, the fact that they can either sequester pollutants, they can break down pollutants chemically within their metabolism, or they can go ahead and do a, a range of them by evaporating or breaking down the, the complex carbons or complex you know, molecules that we need to, to deal with and reconcile within an urban environment, especially due to a lot of our stormwater runoff. Plants are mighty cleaning machines, and this makes them a valuable material for residents, businesses, architects, landscape architects, and urban designers who are facing the realities of our urban environments and some of the major challenges facing stormwater management, the combination of flooding and pollution. Let's just look at what our current condition is. And what I always found interesting and fascinating in the research that I've done is that if you understand the first hour of stormwater runoff has a pollution index far greater than that of raw sewage, it starts to put your mind around like, wow, there is a tremendous amount of contaminants carcinogens, 
and other types of oils, other issues that run off of our urban areas. And it's just based on the products that we use on a daily life. It's coming from our cars, it's coming from our pets. I was actually shocked to learn that pet waste is one of the largest contributors of water quality uh, issues in urban environments and especially in suburban environments. Um, and But you know, it's all of these unique challenges that I think we're gonna have to see our daily lives shift from how do we how do we begin to, to move around cities? What's that runoff look like? Um, I think in South Florida, it's going to be unique because we're going to see low-lying areas that during two times of the day, you know, high tide, both high tides, we're going to have flooding potentially happening in our streets because we just cannot pay to elevate everything. Another pollutant we might not immediately think of is saltwater from high tide flooding. Saltwater can easily kill landscape plants that are not salt tolerant and will slowly corrode underground pipes and foundations over time, which can lead to other serious infrastructure problems. When the tides rise high enough to flood our streets, saltwater can also degrade storm drains, the undersides of automobiles, and even some building walls and doorways. Low impact development can help confront these challenges through technologies including bioswales, rain gardens, tree box filters, and constructed wetlands, to name a few. Let's take a step back and look at the differences between hardened and green infrastructure. Hardened infrastructure to me is, is seawalls, it's going to be riprap, it's going to be the things that do not integrate ecological systems, i.e. they do not integrate plants. Um, I think we're going to have to use plants as infrastructure. No longer can our landscape around our cities be ornament. It cannot just serve as just the, the decoration on our city. They actually have to do things for us. And so, and plants through things like phytoremediation, uh, have the unique ability to clean up the environment, but they also, through uh, freophatic types of plant species that soak up huge amounts and volumes of water, they can become the biopumps to really work for our communities. And that's where the innovation and the new research that we need to find, because there's not a lot of action, nor is there a lot of understanding um, in that realm right now especially in subtropical regions, especially in South Florida, to understand what is the plant's ability to um, absorb water, to clean the water, but also to manage you know, the, the flooding issues that we're having and that we will continue to have uh, more so in the future. So what does low impact development look like in practice? And how can it help shape future development in Florida? I mean, we have, what could be interesting blue streets and green streets that, that are highly botanizing the asphalt in those locations to begin to deal with and reconcile, not to eliminate stormwater and flooding, but to reduce the resonance time that that stormwater is sitting in the street. And that's the primary function, because if we're talking about quality of life issues, if we're talking about doing it in affordable ways, ways in which we as taxpayers can pay for the types of infrastructure we need, it, it may not be silver bullets where we can raise everything. It may be that we look at these unique challenges of designing things for flooding, designing things in a way that we, at least when we do flood, we can get back to some semblance of normalcy within a short period of time, whether that is uh, seasonal or, or diurnal, daily. As an architect and landscape architect, 
Professor Huber sees low-impact development as an opportunity to meet climate challenges that are already here and in the near future, while also offering Florida the potential to face these challenges in highly creative ways. Those are the kind of unique challenges I see in the future. But to me, that, that creates such an optimistic world that we could live in here, especially in South Florida, where people would probably be, I think, attracted <laughs> to those kind of daily lives, like come to South Florida, where you can see how they are thriving within these events, how we have been able to readapt our infrastructure um, to work in a completely different way that you don't see anywhere else in the world. Um, and that's where I find our set of, of challenges much more unique and potentially highly innovative than, than, you know, let's just say areas and communities that have been dealing with flooding for centuries, like New Orleans or the Netherlands that are below sea level. I mean, we can't build walls and levees like they can, but we can build a tapestry of infrastructure and especially infrastructure based on nature, um, nature and nature-based features that could begin to, to reconcile the way in which we manage flooding. Low impact development offers potential to face some of Florida's present and future stormwater challenges. By taking ecosystem services of plants and reintegrating them into our landscapes and cityscapes, strengthening Florida's flood resilience. Home and High Water is produced, edited, and hosted by Cameron Peters. Music and sound design by FAU Assistant Professor of Music, Matt Balchucky, Matt Bielasiak, Zachary Binder, and Brendan Lyons. Theme music by Matt Balchucky. Special thanks to Associate Professor and Interim Director at Florida Atlantic University's School of Architecture, Jeff Huber. CES Director and FAU Professor, Dr. Colin Polsky, and CES Assistant Director, Kimberly Vardaman. You can follow Home and High Water on Twitter and Facebook at CES at FAU. You can email us at CES at FAU.edu.